Hello, hello everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to land more clients with your proposals and how to launch a spin-off product in a very, very competitive market and gain traction. Today, we have our guest with us, Ruben, joining us from uh, BitSketch and DocSketch. Ruben is a specialist in bootstrapping, marketing, user experience, and software development. He is now the founder of BitSketch, a professional web app focused on designing, tracking, and customizing proposals in no time. In the past, previous to working at and founding BitSketch, Ruben owned NineSign, which is a small business specialized in web development and consulting. After that, Ruben worked at Oasis Outsourcing as a web development manager, which is the largest privately held PEO at the time. Then Ruben decided to quit his job and found BitSketch, where he's grown it and improved it since 2009. And recently, about a year ago, he founded DocSketch, which is an electronic signature tool. So welcome, Ruben. Glad to have you on our show today. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the invite. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into it. You started with uh, and running and operating your own company at the time, which was Ninth Sign. Uh, what happened that led you to leave it and start working at Oasis Outsourcing as a manager there? Um, well, I don't, it was never a full-time thing for me. So um, it was, it was really something that I uh, created when I was learning to design websites and to code up uh, websites and stuff like that. So um, I needed something to, uh, I guess, a, a company uh, to have um, money uh, and checks written to whenever I was sort of like practicing by building sites uh, for friends and, and, you know, other people that I, I kind of knew. Um, so it was more, I think the whole, even thinking about it, um, I think the whole goal of it was to have something that I could put sort of like a portfolio of sites, uh, exact, some examples, some of them uh, real, uh, that I could use to get a job okay, <laughs> uh, okay. being a developer. So the whole goal really was to get a job being a developer. Um, mm -hmm. Just a little strange because now that I think of it, um, for some reason, I never even considered like, oh, maybe I should just, you know, continue down this path and just grow it to where this is what I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. Instead, my job was, uh, my uh, goal at the time was to get a job. Makes sense. And then where did the idea of uh, BitSketch formula from at that time? And is that when, the, when you made the move to quit your job and focus to grow it, uh, yeah. start up on a full-time yep. basis? Yeah. Yep. So I was uh, at this was like many years later. So I'd gotten the job, you know, fine. Uh, and then um, I was hired as a developer. I got promoted several times, eventually ran the whole web development department, um, had teams of, you know, uh, people. And then um, I just didn't like what I was doing. <laughs> I found out that uh, I was no longer doing the things that I wanted to do. Um, I didn't like management um, in that sort of company in generally. So um, I started looking for, I started reading blogs and, and books and things, uh, you know, written by people, content written by people that had started their own products, SaaS products. And, um, usually back then were, you know, even like shareware products and things. And it fast, you know, this was really fascinating that somebody could, you know, some of these part-time, some of these full-time, just build their own thing. And it was uh, often just them. And I thought, wow, uh, I want to do this. So um, I was looking for something to build. And I had started building another product. But I remember it was nights and weekends and just being 
board. <laughs> like I didn't like the, um, there was a need there, but, yeah. um, but I didn't like the space. And um, one day uh, somebody at work was uh, going to have a client um, meeting for the very first time. And he asked me about proposals because the client asked him to bring a proposal. And, uh, and I thought, well, um, just to make it easy, just go online and find a template. So I searched for templates, you know, that was easy enough to kind of find. And I thought, you know what, you should just use something like FreshBooks, but for proposals. So then I searched for that and I couldn't find anything. I was like, hmm, that's weird. How's there not this thing here? This is crazy. So I searched, searched, couldn't find anything. I, I just referred them to the templates and they got me thinking like, wait a minute, nobody's built anything like this for proposals. This is nuts. Uh, and that sort of kicked me off uh, in that direction. I built that um, nights and weekends, grew it for about a year and a half. And then uh, it was enough to replace, you know, a good portion of my salary and quit the job and uh, just go off in that direction. And I've been doing uh, SaaS products ever since. Nice. So it was that pull to quit was just based on, you know, having enough income. You've already built that bridge, so to speak. It wasn't you know, I'm leaving. I'm just going to go focus on this. You had something to jump towards and you had that confidence to make that leap at the time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And motivated. I really didn't like what I was doing and yeah. I wanted to do something different. Right. What was the decision to remain a bootstrap company at that time? So you had some traction, you were, uh, you had some funding, you had a job to pay your bills and then you also had money from this new venture. You know, you could have went to, you know, VC and said, Hey, like, you know, can you fuel this and help grow the company? Why did you decide to stay at the bootstrap? Um, yeah, I actually had uh, very early on, I had an offer uh, from actually the person who, who asked me advice for, um, for uh, the client proposal. His, mm -hmm. his, uh, his father uh, was okay. a doctor or something. And, uh, you know, I've, I'd met him previously, but then uh, I guess he had told his father and his father was very interested in investing some money. And mm -hmm. uh, um, I, yeah, I turned it down. Um, I'm trying to think of the, my thinking back then and why mm -hmm. I was uh, not, not that interested. And throughout the years, I had uh, other, other people, um, you know, interested in investing, uh, some well-known uh, internet marketers and other, you know, the people that I'd known. Um, I didn't need to. The business was going well. I didn't feel like I... Um, I was stuck or I didn't feel like uh, a lot of money would have helped in, you know, um, helped our growth in, in any really specific way that I could think of at that time. Mm. Um, and really I was taking, I was doing business like differently, right? The whole goal of business for me at the time was freedom. Mm. And that, that kind of, um, I felt like that worked against that in some ways. Mm. So, uh, what I did was what, when I quit the job, I worked very little. <laughs> I worked, uh, you know, there was a good period of time where I worked just a, like literally like two, three, four hours a week um, and just took money out of the cash out of the business and, you know, all this. Um, and even when I returned back to work, I worked very little. Um, I don't think it was, it was, I think it was bad for growth. It definitely was bad for growth for the business uh, mm. looking back at it. Um, but I felt like that was the thing that I needed to do or wanted to do at the time for, for a while. Got it. So you built it more of as like a, a lifestyle business at the time. And obviously without any accountability, you're probably burnt out from like management and people you know, breathing down your neck to do anything. You said, oh, I've got money. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. 
Um, and yeah, if you did take cash at that time, you're now accountable to that cash. And now you have responsibility right. and, and you have to deliver on what you say you will. Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Um, and I was taking, you know, um, you know, take uh, $10,000 here, $30,000 there, you know, <laughs> just these chunks of uh, money out of the business every once in a while. Uh, hard to do when you have investors. Right. <laughs> and, <yeah>. and <laughs> right. You can't really be doing that. Exactly. So can you tell us about, you know, early days when you first started BizSketch? So you were working this on weekends and, e- and evenings. What growth strategies that worked that you've applied at the beginning that, you know, led to that growth at the time? So at the time you can go, you could go around, you could still do it a little bit, but, um, and ask people for reviews. Um, this was a strategy that I used that I saw, uh, Peldi from Balsamic Mockups uh, do, and he had a blog post written all up and even the template email and stuff. And I just thought, well, this is great. Let me go out and do this. And I did, just emailed a bunch of blogs and stuff. And I didn't really get picked up in very many places. At the beginning, um, I did get picked up at like about.com, which was more of a thing back then, um, and launched with part partially that strategy. And then later on, it took like a couple of months, like for some reason, a couple of them started to, you know, I don't know if it's like, Oh, they're finally getting to the email or something, but yeah, sure. We'll review it. And we'll, you know, and then they added us to, and that kind of led to some, you know, once a couple of bigger blogs sort of did that, mm-hmm. uh, it led to other blogs and it was like this whole domino effect, which gave some pretty decent, you know, um, word of mouth and, and traction, uh, very early on that, um, along with, uh, con- you know, content marketing, which I, SEO, which I was very much experimenting with and, you know, to where I thought, this is crazy. You know, you can find keywords people are looking for, write content and people will come visit you just like that. Nothing else. Like yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, I remember writing content, trying it out two weeks later, started getting a little bit of traffic and I was just blown away. Um, and just did more of that. Uh, AdWords, you know, ten, remember getting like 10 cent clicks, you, you could, you know, it was easier to get clicks uh, for cheaper back then. And um, in, integrations, a lot of marketing through integrations. So that strategy was more, um, before we built out integration, I'd go out and I'd talk to so, uh, somebody. Uh, yes, we're thinking of building a CRM in, integration. So I wanted to check in, what do you do for integration partners? What can you do? Um, and mm-hmm. this was before building out the integration, just checking who's, who's in charge of integrations for your company and uh, then negotiating that early on. And uh, that was more likely for them to do extra things for us to try and get us to prioritize the integration for us to build. Um, and that, that was helpful as well. Cool. So I know that leveraging other people's audiences, that really helps with, they already have the audience, just getting your face on yep. there, getting that review. Um, that's funny. We actually had, Peldi from Balsamic on an interview, I think last week. So we'll be launching that pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Here, so. Nice. <laughs> Funny yeah. timing. He's, an, he's, he's an awesome Yeah, he's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So some SEO, some Google AdWords, and then some integration to say kind of what led to that early growth. Cool. Yep. Um, so equally or even more important than what worked and you know, a lot of people don't share is what didn't work and what the failures you've achieved. Can you share some failures, whether on marketing or, you know, product, whether that's within BitSketch or DocSketch today? Uh, and what they've taught you to become a better entrepreneur? Sure. So uh, with BitSketch, we launched with Freemium. And uh, when launching to the list, 
people bought and it was great. But then just after that period, which was, you know, very short one to two week period, I remember exactly how long, um, just getting traffic coming in and trying to sell to that traffic. It, uh, almost nobody bought. <laughs> it was, okay. um, it slowed down to like launch day. The first three days or something like that, I, um, we had 22 people, I think, buy, right? Mm. And um, the list was really small that I had. Um, you know, I was just getting started. So it's not a ton of people, but for me, it was a lot of people. I didn't expect to have that many. And, and then I expected like, okay, great. Like this is just in three days, you know? Um, yeah, it's a launch, so maybe you'll slow down a little bit. Let's say 20 people uh, a week, maybe, you know? Right. Um, and what really happened was that uh, one person a week uh, wow. ended up <laughs> buying at that point. Um, and I remember trying really hard to increase conversions and doing all this stuff uh, to try and get more people to pay. And uh, it, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was the problem <clears throat> and why it was so different. And um, then I got rid of the free plan at some point uh, and suddenly just, you know, uh, I don't remember the exact difference, but it, it was like night and day. Just started getting a ton of people paying for the product uh, compared to that. Uh, it was still, you know, smallish in scale and stuff, but it was significant and uh, very encouraging and like, okay, we have something here and I, I can build on that and grow that. And, um, so that was, that was one thing that, you know, was very surprising and, and I had trouble with early on. For DocSketch, funny enough, we're, we're launched with Freemium uh, last year and we're still doing Freemium now and it's working, uh, working pretty well for us uh, at wow. this point. But it's, there are a lot of different reasons for that. For that. Um, mm, right, so it depends on the product, market, whatnot. Did, do you still have a free trial or you just went just paid around everything? Um, free trial. For BitSketch, yeah. For BitSketch, yeah. okay. And that helped, you find? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. We yeah. did a lot of uh, testing with that, a lot of price testing too. That was great lever. Yeah. So you, I want to talk a little bit about the the BitSketch for a minute here. So I know you focus on this proposal software platform to help agencies, you help freelancers, consultants, sales team uh, to help them close you know deals in a better fashion, which you couldn't find at the time when you were working at the agency. So I know you guys did a research, whether yourself or your team, on over 25,000 different proposals worth, I think, mm -hmm. $270 million to find the key differences between winning and losing proposals. What trends or tips can you share to SaaS sales executives or founders to improve their chance of closing deals? I, like, how do they find more, you know, close more deals? Um, I think uh, one of the main things is that uh, you need to get more people to actually read your proposal or read more parts of your proposal than, um, than often happens. The reality is that, um, and often it's, it's equated with the larger the deal, the more pages or content, the bigger the proposal needs to be. Exactly. Um, but uh, the data showed that regardless of, of amount, um, the shorter proposals um, often did better. Um, and we have data for, you know, uh, how, how, how long people are spending on pages and how, you know, how much uh, they're reading the proposals. And usually all of it correlated with just like smaller, tighter proposals, just getting more engagement um, and doing better when it comes to landing deals and closing sales. Um, the, the payroll company that I worked at before I started BitSketch, um, 
they did essentially just like a couple of page proposals and um, that's what they used to land million dollar plus deals, right? Like it had nothing to do with, you know, this is a, this is a million dollar plus deal. Let's, let's create a 50 page. Nobody's going to read that. Right. I think it's just government. Maybe they need that for like documentation and following. Right. Right. In certain <laughs> very specific industries. Yeah. But yeah, 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 generally speaking, no, it's not needed. The other thing is um, the bundling of fees um, is generally better uh, and does better than uh, doing like line item, almost like invoicing style. You know, there are a lot okay. of problems with, with that style because um, it invites um, people to go in there and do analysis on like, hmm, why is this this many hours? Can we take this out of the thing? Can, right? Instead of like focusing on like, what is the value of this proposal, right? What, what is the goal that we're trying to achieve and attaching a price to, to that? A, a total price, a final price. Combine all those services, line, line, line. Here's the final price. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that first piece, so, how many pages are we talking about? Five pages, 10 pages? What's short? What did you find? Is sweet yeah, spot? like like five pages. We found, uh, you know, we looked under there. I think the five pages was uh, in that range was what we saw uh, that did the best. Wow. Including cover page. Or you just skip that? Um, I'm trying to think of if we, good question. It's been a while. Um, mm. It might have or might have not, but it was okay. pretty close. Like if you if you go up, you know, six pages, or if you go down four pages, it was still right right there in, in that spot. You know. Cool. Um, anything else you think you'd say? So you know, bundling, uh, you know, size. Anything else? Um, the people that do the best, and this is uh, based off of just our the experience in, in the market and with people that close really big deals and have. A much better closing percentage because um, we've you know we've talked to and seen companies that just close a lot of their proposals versus ones that hardly close any and the when you look at the more extremes what's going on there uh, and what really helps uh, proposals close is that the ones that are doing the best basically almost have a yes by the time that they're getting that they're that the proposal is sent right mm. versus the other ones it's um they're trying to do all of their selling in the proposal and they're trying right. to have that you know which is it's it's not if you think of it more almost as um the closer you get to that yes and the closer you get to like this is almost like a summary of the conversation that we had right mm. then like the better that your proposal is going to do mm. so focus on the actual sales pitch so that, that's just a complimentary to just close the deal at that point. Right. Um, yep. Can you speak about, I just want to get a little deeper on that. What are some key details founders should use to say, wow, their customer in that proposal? What does that five to six pages include? Because I see people include, oh, I need to put three, four case studies. I need to put all these logos that I worked with. I need to put, uh, yeah, like you said, they're explaining everything, who we did, you know, uh, pricing, about us, about our service. Uh, here's some blog posts, right? They just go on and on about me, about my family, right? right? Yep. And, then, yep. and then, okay, here's yep. the price. What, what, what's very yeah, <laughs> it really should be about the uh, the 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 client, and the customer. Mm -hmm. uh, the very first thing when we, in the analysis that we saw is like, what is what what do people look at first when they go into the into a proposal? And uh, the very well, the very first thing that they look at is uh, they go down and skip all the you know information. Usually, generalizing here, yeah. 
all the information about like, yeah, we do this and blah, 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 we're this, or even, you know, um, you came to us because of this, or we've worked with these customers and, uh, you know, what they do is they scroll down and they go right to the pricing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So that, 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 um, that section is just key is really key for it to be. It's not an afterthought It's literally the very first thing that most people scroll down to and look at. And, um, it's not necessarily about what the price is, but what they're getting for that price and mm -hmm. how you're framing that. Right. And are you talking about the value there that you're delivering? Or are you talking about some asset or delivery in a more project management sort of way? Right. Mm -hmm. There's a difference there. Exactly. Um, and then the other sections that they look at is they're about what do you do for us? Mm. You know, um, what are you proposing for us? What are you offering? What are you, what are you saying that you can deliver to us? It's not the stuff at the end. Like um, we've worked with these clients and all that stuff. That's generally that's last. Mm. Okay. So, this is the price. This is what we're going to do for you. And this is how maybe, you know, what results we think we can get for you. Probably that's maybe as is. And why, right? Like believable. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Um, so at this point, you know, you build, 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 build sketch. You have this vision on building it, you know, nine years now or, or plus. Can you tell us the discovery and the opportunity of doc sketch and how did that come up and formulate over the last year or so? Sure. So, we had um, DocSketch is an electronic uh, signature um, tool. So mm -hmm. it helps people get their uh, documents electronically signed. Mm -hmm. And uh, in BitSketch, we have uh, electronic signatures, but yes. it's a very simple workflow, right? So we integrate with, um, with tools, uh, with electronic signature tools, and we had been asked to integrate with electronic signature tools. Um, and we started getting asked to not just integrate with those tools, but to build it into BitSketch. Uh, and the more we looked at it, the more it was obvious that this is a whole category. Like there's overlap there because we have electronic signatures uh, and proposals, but it is literally, it's a huge category, much bigger than the proposal category. Um, and we thought, you know what? We should really build a product uh, in this space. Uh, there's some, we have some customers that are asking for it. There's some good overlap here. Um, the market is bigger. This seems like the next natural sort of stage. The things at the edges related with, uh, with um, your product, you know, like that usually integrate with uh, oft, sometimes can be really good targets for like a second or next product. Um, so that started off in that, in that journey. And um we built it out and uh, and now that we're into it, we are seeing that um, there's some overlap there, but not as much as we thought. And mm -hmm. it's a very big market. It is super competitive Yeah. Um, for a reason though, because they're, um, it's a big, it's a big category with a lot of buyers. Yeah. And adding to that. So how do you make sure DocSketch remains competitive against companies such as you know, Adobe, Adobe EchoSign, HelloSign, uh, there's a, there's a couple of big guys in the space, right? How do you, how do you compete yep. with them? Um, so it's really hard to compete with, uh, um, it's really very old established companies that have been in the category for category for many years 
have a ton of features and just go out there as somebody new with uh, a much smaller team and just uh, build a product uh, with less features um, and less word of mouth and just be competitive and, and grow that, right? So mm-hmm. oftentimes, uh, there's multiple approaches people take to make that happen. One of the more popular approaches is just to narrow down the focus into a key segment mm-hmm. of the category that's maybe underserved and then uh, focus on that and um, and basically serve those customers better mm-hmm. and gain traction there, word of mouth, and sort of expand slowly. Um, I found um, that's that one of the options that I evaluated and did some testing around that initially. Um, didn't find too much traction that I got excited about in that area. Um, okay. The other is basically owning a, a channel or category or discovering you know, something on the marketing side, some way to acquire customers um, that in a very competitive market will be a meaningful uh, you know, whether it's like partners, right? Because, okay, we have these partnerships that nobody else can have, or we can do this type of marketing, or there's an opening here for us to, on the marketing side, uh, for us to acquire customers this way. And that sort of, um, I found several things that uh, appeal to me in, in that uh, direction. So that's the, the approach that we took. Okay. Uh, any trends that you guys are seeing right now in terms of volume for whether it's e-signature or proposals going out during you know COVID situation? Any specific industries that are seeing higher activity if you guys are analyzing that? Yeah, it's really interesting. For, so for BidSketch, um, it's been, uh, it's actually been lower, like agencies and freelancers. Um, okay, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's more, it's getting back to normal now, but for especially the first few weeks, it was, it got really low and uh, I think they got hit hard. Um, so the activity level was low. Uh, for DocSketch, it was com- the complete opposite because people were forced to work remotely and mm-hmm. uh, some of these companies, you know, needed to, uh, needed to, uh, no, they couldn't do paper documents anymore. So they had to get them signed digitally. And uh, for many of them, especially that we're, we're talking about, we're, we're bringing on board like, 30 to 50 person teams that are, that have had this on their list for sometimes years. Like this is, you know, this has been a priority or not enough of a priority. And now finally we're going to do it. Um, Uh So we're seeing a lot of that for some of these businesses. Cool. And were you targeting your own list or you built this product and you went out and you started to market it? Uh, For DocSketch? Yeah. 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 We've not mentioned it or marketed it to uh, to the bid sketch audience. So we okay. literally started from scratch, right? Like, put up a website, uh, zero visitors, <laughs> nothing, wow. right? Wow. Okay, okay. Um, and didn't lev. It was planned, but once once I saw that there was less overlap, it was like, okay, let's focus on the, on the things that are going to give us uh, the more ideal customers. So that's yeah. Um, from launching last year. Um, you know, uh, I think I mentioned before, it was uh, just a few thousand uh, visitors a month, mm-hmm. um, a, a couple hundred signups a month to uh, to this year. It's like we're 
350,000 uh, uniques a month in visitors and uh, 10,000 signups a month. Uh, is That's huge. So I'm, I'm going to dig deeper there. I know I'm going to be mindful because I know it's a very competitive space. Um, mm -hmm. Can you share any convention, unconventional growth hacks that maybe many founders don't think to use that's well that mm -hmm. has worked well for you guys at DocSketch in the last year? Because that's that's a pretty quick growth, right? In just a year or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say uh, tools, marketing with tools, engineering as marketing is something that's been uh, really helpful, and we have more that we can do in that area that we're that we'll probably uh, be looking at. Um, but that can be a really good channel. Like a lot of people think of like HubSpot's website grader and stuff like that. And sometimes yeah. they'll build out tools and like a mortgage calculator or something. But yeah. what a lot of people are missing is that they, um, they're missing that ongoing, where's that ongoing traffic? Like, yes, you can launch your tool, get like a little bit of buzz, and then what happens? Mm. What are you going to do with it, right? So there are different, it's super, 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 super important um, to think about that. And either you're building a tool because it's easier to market your product with your tool, right? Meaning like, like HubSpot, there's certain products that are kind of hard to explain, hard to get into, but if you yeah. can give away a free tool, like this is easier. We can, um, we can acquire customers with the lead by leading with this tool um, or there is existing demand mm. that is asking for this free tool and we can build this and that aligns really well with our product and we can just, you know, flow them into our product after we get them on board. So there are multiple approaches with that. Um, and uh, yeah, basically it's work backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like not just the tool, but um, how, how are we going to, so um, how are we going to turn uh, the people who use this tool into customers and where are they going to come from on an ongoing basis every month? Um, so we've used an SEO strategy for that, you okay. know, looking and exploring sort of like keywords and seeing where demand is and doing it that way. You can look at somebody like Brian Harris from uh, Video Fruit. He does a lot of courses and stuff like that, but what's interesting is that he leads with free tools, uh, which mm. is very different. Uh, especially in that space and they do they use uh, paid ads for the tools so the funnel how those funnels work is that um, the tools are almost like a legion right ebooks yeah, yeah right, right exactly they're almost like yeah. ebooks right on steroids yeah. and you get um, the uh, cost per acquisition is yeah. low enough that it makes the whole funnel work uh, when you bring in people into the free tool and basically upsell them to your main products. Nice. So you built this tool. Now you get, it's you know, about getting it out there. So that's, that's an interesting um, marketing strategy. I know a lot of people talk about it, but I know it's, it's a, it can be risky too, right? Because you can build those product and it's free. Um, so you can drive paid right. traffic, you can do SEO. So you you can think free e-signature tool. You can think free you know, widget. I won't get into that, but specifically, and then I find it. Then I, you know, start playing with this tool, and then that leads you. You get their email, you get their 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 information, and that possibly leads exactly. to finding out about your product, you know, or maybe a more natural way. Exactly, but it has to be a simple enough tool to where you're not uh, suddenly building two products, right? Yeah. Uh, because it's hard enough to build one product. It's got to be like a small enough, uh, simple enough thing. So it's challenging to mm. find the right thing, but it, it's um, it's not as hard as people think. 
And, and I guess now at this point, you have BitSketch and DocSketch. How are you managing those two things? Are you kind of just, you know, BitSketch is on the side and you, you're putting that and letting it run on its own with the team in place or and you're focusing on DocSketch? Are you trying to balance both? BitSketch, uh, bo- both of these products have, are really low support product uh, mm. products. Uh, meaning we're, we're getting a good amount of people signing up and leads and customers and all that stuff on DocSketch. And um, we, it's uh, easy enough for one person to support uh, both products okay. and still have, it still have time left over on the support side, right? So uh, it's actually not been very hard, but I have friends who have products that, you know, um, you know, have a fraction of the cu- paid customers and users uh, using it, and they have like support teams <laughs> yeah, yeah. that are like constantly busy. So it really depends on the product type, the market that you're targeting, and, and various exactly. other things. Right. If you had enterprise sales guys, they'd be going out. You have to manage them to go out of and sell big ticket items, right? So makes yep, sense. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, last question here. I guess you know, what are you most excited about the you know second half of 2020? Um, and, you know, where can our audience get in touch with you? Sure. So uh, really just working more on uh, Doc Sketch, expanding uh, what we're doing there, looking to do some uh, big things in the uh, electronic signature space there. I think uh, there's some interesting opportunities of just making um, the whole process of getting documents signed easier, faster, and uh, that's really where the focus is going to be. And... Uh, doing some interesting things too on the acquisition side and maybe free tool side, some more of that. So, cool. I look forward to seeing um, that. And where, where can our audience get in touch with you? Do you want to learn more? Sure. Um, either docsketch.com, bitsketch.com, or on Twitter is where, where I, uh, I probably spend too much time on uh, <laughs> sometimes. And that's uh, EarthlingWorks over there. EarthlingWorks. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ruben. So guys, check it out. Doc Sketch. We'll leave it in the, the show notes as well and BitSketch. And uh, thanks again for being here. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you all for listening in to today's episode. Don't forget to join us for another episode where we interview top leaders and experts in the business and SaaS industry. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Otherwise, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or improvements for this podcast, please feel free to send it directly to me on our website at horizoncapital.com. Or you can just tweet me at Akil Jabbar. Thanks again, and hope to see you guys on the next episode.